Hello and welcome. My name is Raj Pasord. I'm a consultant psychiatrist based in central London. Today I'm talking to Nick, who's an Asian gentleman whose son developed a major and serious mental illness. Nick, how did it all begin? What did you first notice as being a problem with your son? First notice is very, very uh, minor examples of odd behavior. We have a downstairs toilet. He, he went in there once and I heard him uh, using a hammer on the door. I mean, at that time, it was nothing for me. So I went and, uh, what are you doing? No, Dad, I'm trying to this or that. So I said, you know, don't do anything with it. Leave it. And then sometime later, of course, he started, he went to, when he went, after he went to university, when he came back, we noticed certain funny behavior. He used to go out only at night. He, he, he thought the stuff in the refrigerator was all poison. He wouldn't touch it. Odd things like this, you know. There are many examples which too detailed to go in. But that's how it started. And then we, this odd behavior made, uh, made us uh, go and see the GP. And the GP referred us to a very prominent psychologist, psychiatrist. He interviewed him in my presence uh, for about 15 minutes and he said nothing wrong with him, send him back to university. So he went back to university. And then there we noticed certain things happening. He was at Nottingham then. Uh, he was working part-time in a, in a video library shop, a library outlet. And one night he rang at 10 o'clock and said, Dad, there's a Chinaman out there waiting with a baseball bat. And uh, similar sort of statements followed. He said, that is the um, uh, British, this right-wing party in the library watching, watching me all the time. This odd behavior like that, very, very paranoid behavior. So eventually I went and brought him back from Nottingham. Um, then after some time we engaged him at a Middlesex University. Similar sort of thing happened. He wouldn't stay at one place. I mean, he used to move from one room to another room in his houses uh, every 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 month or so. Eventually bought a house near the house, near the campus, you know, two minutes walk from the campus, and uh, he was he stayed there on his own and. There, one day he rang um, sometime in sometime in the end of July. I think he rang and said, "Dad, I want to come home." I said, "Okay, uh, why don't you come? Will you come by by underground or rail?" He said, "Okay," but he went to the station and he rang. I can't do it. I'm afraid to go on the train. So I went and picked him up. When I went to see him, he had barred him, shut himself in the front room, and put something against the door. And, uh, you know, only when I opened it, I noticed the room was in darkness. He had drawn the uh, curtains, everything. And then he was uh, sweating and in the right, absolutely very terrified state. Uh, anyway, so I brought him home. And about a week later, he attempted this, uh, you know, slit his throat. That is what, how it happened here. What do you mean by he slit his throat? Well, well. Uh, when we saw him in the bath full of water, his throat was, the flesh was hanging out from his throat. And then, you know, uh, I don't know how much of blood he lost, but he had to call the ambulance straight away. But he locked himself in the bathroom and made yeah, a serious was, suicide was, attempt. Yeah, yeah. I was able to, because I had, I was doing some work on the flat roof, adjoining the bathroom. I had left one of the windows open, so I was able to get him through there and then rescue him, you know. Otherwise, he would have, I don't know, lost more blood, I suppose. Did anything happen just before this incident that would have alerted you that something was seriously awry? 
No, no. You see, these things creep up on you. You don't realize that something really bad happened. Even the, when a clinician tells you, a top grade senior house, house officer tells you, there's nothing wrong with it, it's all your imagination. Your son is perfectly okay. What do you want us to do? We don't know a thing about mental illness. And this lady says, your son is okay, send him back to university. It's all your imagination, fertile imagination, whatever it is she was saying. So what do you do? You think you, you are in the wrong. And that my son was able to convince the, that lady that he was perfectly okay. But he wasn't eventually. Even after that, even after all these um, you know, suicide attempts and began to go back to the same CMHD, he was able to convince the consultant that the problem was with me, not with him. And they all believed that, unfortunately, or fortunately. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Even now, you know, when I think about it, I say, what a bloody thing to do for, for I mean, I'm, an old, I'm, I'm not a young person to have imagination, things like that. I only go by what I see. And all the evidence was given in written format in A4 sheets. All that was thrown away. I don't know what those, those, those notes from me are in the, in the case notes or not. One of these days, I must, I must go and have a look at the case notes, what's, what's actually being written down there about this boy's uh, set up, you see. So it is all, I mean, I can say without any doubt the fault is on their side. And as I said, uh, even after that, there is no structure. There was nothing to say that your son will be looked after by so-and-so, nothing of that sort, you know. So it, 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 it is... Uh, I can't even talk about it. It's so bad it is to think about. It's upsetting, is it? Ups upsetting means not to realize that whatever we are saying, all, I mean, the, the CMHT was, went off for more than a year. We, we made about five visits to them, and then uh, they didn't take any notice. I want to come back to that because I think you're making some very important points there. But I want to go back to the actual incident in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. um, did, did you were you talking to him through the locked bathroom door? Oh, no, 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 no. I, well, we knocked on the door. We, when, he, when he spoke, it was a, such a squeaky voice. I knew there was something wrong, but I didn't realize it was he had damaged his uh, vocal cords. But then when I went in and saw him, you know, uh, it was all apparent. You see, the bath was overflowing. He had opened the hot water tap, and you know. And the blood was so mixed with the water, and it's pink in color, and everything else. You see, so I had to. And the, the worst thing of that is my wife had to look at his, you know, throat in that condition. She had to hold him with a towel because I had to go and she wouldn't be able to. She wasn't able to call the emergency services. I had to ask her to put the towel around his neck and hold him. And I went and called the, for the ambulance, and then think uh, he was taken to um, Medea Hospital in Croydon. And, and you managed to save him by um, coming in through the bathroom window. Absolutely. Yeah. So this must have been very distressing for you. Well, I, fortunately, I am that way a bit strong. I was looking at it from a clinician's point of view. I managed somehow to divorce myself as a father. I was looking at him like as a doctor would look at a patient. And I was, I, even now I'm able, to, I have that capacity to do. Even the last time, about a year ago when he did it, I had the same uh, same attitude, so I'm dealing with deal with that easily. In the other previous case, I mean, the first time, of course, the air ambulance came along, you see, and the fellow dressed dressed up the wound and everything, and then after that, only he was taken to the Mayday Hospital. So he, what what he done was he attempted to cut his throat with a knife. Is that right? Yeah, he had not one knife, so many knives. In the bathroom. Yeah. 
Even the last time, he had six, seven knives in the in last year when he did it. This time, ago, he stabbed himself in the, in the throat three or four times. He didn't slit it right across, you see. So, uh, uh, same thing he tried again, I suppose. He said he was trying to find the jugular vein, he couldn't. Uh, and that second incident, he locked himself in the bathroom again as well. That 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 uh, partly our fault. Whatever he was in a he was living with us, and uh, um, he was in a funny, strange sort of mood. But this comes and goes, so we didn't take much care of it. We had to go and visit a friend in France who was very dear to us, and they couldn't come over here because they didn't have a visa. They had come from India, so we went there for three days. We went on the on Thursday. And uh, we came back on the Saturday. When we came back, uh, the medicine medication was being handled by an agency. They used to come in the evening and give it and go. So when I came back, the house was in darkness. I knew straight away there's something wrong because Ravi always sleeps with the with the lights on. Doesn't matter what time of day it is. So when I looked up at the top floor where his, his room is, there was no light. So I ran up there to see he was flat on the back pale as anything, you know, his all, face was almost white and uh, smell of blood, congealed blood all over the place, you know. Uh, it, the whole bathroom was congealed with blood and there are some towers soaked in blood and I said, well, what's the matter, Ravi? And he pointed to his neck and he saw the four, four wounds. Uh, I said, what did you do? He started this and that. I said, um, anyway, um, my first thing I did was get my wife to lose, make something for him to eat because he must have not eaten. He must have done this on the Friday night because the blood was so congealed, you see. So it had to have happened the previous day. So my wife made something for him to eat and we called the ambulance and were taken again back to A&A. &A. He went to St. Helier that day. So that's what happened the second time. Um, fortunately, by the time we came, blood, the blood has was not, uh, you know, it, uh, the wounds had more or less closed and he wasn't bleeding anymore. So there was only very little blood in him. The, his pulse was about, pulse was about 120, 230. I suppose the heart was trying to keep up with the, the little bit of blood in his system, you see. Anyway. Uh, so on both occasions, mm -hmm. he, he was really lucky to be alive. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. What psychiatric treatment um, has he been receiving, and what are your thoughts about it? As I said, in the, during the first time, he, they should have done something, given given some sort of therapy. Or I mean, he has had, he hasn't had any psychotherapy apart from one session with 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 a very good doctor. But he he approached him in a, di in a different way, and he stirred him up a bit, and he didn't want to go to the same man again. But that gentleman left for, left for America for better some better appointment, so he wasn't here anymore. After that, he has refused to have any psychotherapy at all. I'm still trying to get him to do it. This is after since 1995, Dr. Prasad. I mean, they, they the service they are not interested. Looks like they have said they thought that this fellow is uh, you know he's in for the long haul. Just ignore him and leave him be. That's what seems to be the attitude, because there's nothing in structured to get him, you know, at least partially recovered. Nothing of that sort. I don't know. My perception is without psychology, a mentally ill patient cannot recover to any extent. Just, you know, depending on pills, 
it just keeps the man at a certain maintenance level. That is the operation at the moment. He's on clozapine. He was on olanzapine and something else before. At the moment, he's having a little bit of aripiprazole and clozapine. So the only treatment he's really had, as far as you're concerned, is medication. Absolutely. Um, and and he, you mentioned before when we were talking before we began the interview that a community psychiatric nurse would turn up and give him an injection. Yeah, see, and go away. And, and, and that would be it. That was haloperidol. You know, you know that's only a sleeping issue. <laughs> Well, well, I could debate with you what haloperidol is, but I, I, want, I, I want to focus a little bit more on the fact, which I'm yeah. finding quite shocking, yeah. that the nurse just turned up, gave the injection, and wouldn't even talk to your son. Is that right? No, no. He, she wouldn't talk to us without him being present. Right. right. That is a oh. funny thing, because uh, uh, a fully trained nurse or psychiatrist or anybody who is dealing with a mentally ill patient knows when to talk to that patient, whether the parent is there or not. And know when to talk to the parent when the when the patient is there or not. Because my son doesn't like anything about him being told in his presence to anybody else. He would tell me, I told you that in perfect confidence. Why did you go and fucking tell that nurse about me? He, I mean, he started using these F words then. very In the very beginning as well, when uh, before he actually committed uh, uh, tried to attempt a suicide. When he started using F word, you know, in Asian community, children don't use F words in front of parents. But that that was the start. I mean, I'm going back a bit now. Yeah, that, but okay. That, so that you're making a very important point there. But I want to go back to the point, which is another issue, which is that the team, the psychiatric team, mm -hmm. were not liaising with you properly. They no, would no, they no. would probably plead confidentiality, and they mm -hmm. wouldn't converse with you. And you're absolutely. a valuable source of information uh, about the patient. Well, now they do. Now I send them emails about my son whenever I think they need a feedback. Now it's a different kettle of fish. Then it wasn't. This is okay. for, for 17 years ago. It wasn't at all. And even we were not given any trauma. My wife wasn't given any trauma counseling. They didn't, they didn't ask, what, what, do we, what do you need? How can we help you? Not yes. a thing. Yes, yeah, that's terrible. Um, but listen, you, you, now they're paying attention, is that right? They're absolutely, paying attention, absolutely. adequate attention to what you have to say? Oh, yeah, because I know how to get the adequate attention. Okay, but... But, but I am, the moment, before I forget, I better mention this. But what about the new carer? Does he know all these things? Yes, okay, that's a very good point. But listen, the, the, the mental illness that your son has been suffering from, your engagement with the services, and we're going on over, approaching 20 years, is that right? Mm -hmm. So... But is it in the last three or four years that they've been begun to pay attention to you? No, no, no. May, maybe a little bit more, five, six years possible. Okay, okay, I, but I really, yeah. Because I, I, when I, when I knew how to get all of the names from my trust, uh, the name, email addresses, I started using them willy-nilly, you see, and I got the right response. But okay. fortunately, fortunately, there were some consultants, excellent, absolutely excellent. But they did do, most of them still believe that psychotherapy will not suit a, a schizophrenic. Okay. And you don't agree with that? No, no, no. No, absolutely not. Well, it doesn't have to be psychotherapy, but one should at least talk to the patient. Uh, absolutely. That's, but absolutely. that's what I'm that's finding slightly perplexing, that they don't mm. seem to understand you have to talk to the patient. Exactly. And he's very homophobic. He doesn't like male clinicians around him. Extremely, All right. Extremely homophobic. Okay, but you said some of the consultants psychiatrists were excellent, but some were not. Then tell us yeah, a bit about the ones that were not. Especially the first one, he was a dead loss. He was absolute dead. Why loss. do you say that? 
because he didn't take anything we said as 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 uh, as the truth you know and you know when he, when i first met him after the suicide attempt he said there was no sign of psychosis and i wanted to tell the idiot what about early warning signs that i showed you a year before he committed attempted suicide what yes. were those early signs about yeah that must have been very irritating for you to have Absolutely. that even problem. now they don't pay attention to early signs they don't know what, they don't give a damn about early detection yeah yeah early well, i agree i agree with you it's terrible early detection is far more important than early intervention intervention is always after a psychotic episode yes i agree i agree mm. Um, but listen, what's your advice to anyone listening to this who's a father or a, a sister or a mother or a brother of someone with a serious mental illness who's going through what you went through? What advice would you give them? Get as much information as possible. I mean, you know, listen to people like us who has been through the mill. How I do mean, they find people like you? Well, Clara Caras associations, Caras clubs, things like that. We get together and meet, and also ask them. Isn't it? I mean, there is Google in it to help you quite a bit. Uh, what what reactions the medication reactions but the information on google is very variable a lot of it is erroneous it is. but some is good isn't it it's some how do you know what's good and what isn't uh, that is also true but then we go by experience and now i i can talk freely about this because i'm in old in it i know what it is i've been okay. through the mill i know it can happen again okay but i have to be watchful yeah okay so um basically the advice for a carer is to make contact with other carers Right, so the, experience. the problem is this, the carers must be informed by, before the patient gets out of the ward, when they have these, uh, um, what do you call these meetings before, before the person is leaving? Well, they're care planning meetings, discharge, care planning approach? Discharge planning meetings. Yes, yes. Uh, e even before that, and my, my view is this, when the patient gets into the ward, the carers must be invited from the very first day or the second day or possible. I agree, but that doesn't happen, does it? That, that is what I'm saying. This, this, this is the thing. Yeah. So, and also at this discharge planning meetings, everything must be laid out, you know, uh, everything like the gospel. They must say everything that is about the patient, whether the, if, the, if it is necessary, say it in, in the absence of the patient, this is what is go, going on, this is the medication, this is how he may, he may react, this is what will happen if he, if, he, if he doesn't comply, you know, he could, he could become uh, aggressive, if he doesn't take close-up in for two days, you know what happens, don't you? Those things might happen, these must be, the warnings yeah. must be given, warnings must be given to the patient's carers, and yeah. then they can take over, and also follow up. When the patient is sent back home, nowadays, as you know, because of scarcity of beds, they are sent back home when they are not yes. even ready. Yes, I agree. I agree. This is it. But these discharge planning meetings are often done very badly as well. This is it. Sometimes the care is not present at these ward rounds. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why they call it a round. It's not a round anymore. Isn't it? It's held in a yeah. little room. I agree. I agree. <laughs> And the standard is shockingly bad as well. Shocking. But this, these things can be improved to a great extent. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I know I do these AIMS visit. I visit. I have visited about 50 acute wards in, in my life since 19, 2007. You'll you have to explain what AIMS is because most listeners would not know. Accreditation of inpatient mental health ward. It, okay. As I said, it is uh, the wards are reviewed. They wouldn't call it an inspection, but it's like the Care Quality Commission, you see. We do it in the in same similar sort of way, we, and we meet the patients, we talk to the staff, everything else, and see how the, how, how the patients are cared for. And, who, and who's doing it though? Is it the Royal College of Psychiatrists? Royal, 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 
Royal College of Psychiatrists, there okay. will be one care, one service user, and possibly three clinicians. It could okay. be a, it could be a psychiatrist or somebody lower than that. So and these are all and these are all inpatient units you're looking at. Inpatient, yes. Acute and how many how many have you looked at? I looked at about fifty so far. And what did you think about the standard overall? Some are absolutely out of this world. Fantastic. Well, what proportion? Ten uh, percent. Ah, that's a, that's a smaller proportion. Uh, maybe about ten percent. But okay. re recently, there have been about six or seven wards that have got absolutely full marks on in every standard. You got three okay. standards. One. So you think the standard is going up then? Recently. No, they're complying well. All right. But the listen, if ten percent. If 10% are good, hmm. how many, what percentage are really, really bad, in your opinion? Uh, that's also a small percentage. About 6 or 7% are bad. Okay. At how bad I, is bad? What's the worst thing you've well, seen? Well, some of them are as bad enough to be reported to the CQC. And have you done that? I think in one case I've done. There's one recently that come up. I don't know whether they have actually reported it or not. We recommended but it. But what made you? You've obviously got to try and retain the anonymity of the ward in particular. What made no, you think it was no. bad? No, no, we, we, we compare it against the standards. And yes, but what made you think this was particularly bad? Give me an example of what you saw that was particularly bad. Uh, so, that the, so that the listener would understand what you're getting at. Ligature points, for instance. Yeah. Even right. they, by, by their own submission. I mean, the wards do their own reviews. Yeah, okay. After okay. them, they come to us. Their own reviews have said, you know, sometimes there's problem with the staff itself. Okay, well, we're running out of time. So let me ask you finally about your son. How is your son now? Well, he's still having this uh, certain flare-ups in the sense that about two, two or three weeks ago, he was in the kitchen with my wife, and he, something happened, and he said he talked about she interfering with him sexually when some when he when he was small, when he was a child. And this this was stated by by him about six or seven years ago, and suddenly this came up again, and then he said, "I'm not going to stay here. I'm going away to the you know there is a halfway house about ten minutes walk from our house. Mm -hmm. I mean he was um, he was um, given a place there to stay, mm -hmm. and uh, at the moment he's gone back there with with his stuff. You see, but he he comes comes home." And he has slightly improved, his, his mannerism is slightly improved. Okay, what do you think about the standard of treatment he's getting now? Uh, he, he, he doesn't, the lady there doesn't believe that CBT helps him. She doesn't believe in CBT for mental okay. patients. So you, and you don't agree with that? <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not. Okay, so basically, Unless, you remain... Point, sorry, sorry, point is they must first try to see whether it works or not. I agree, how, I agree. How can you assume that everybody's the same? I agree. So, so... um. So basically, you're still not happy with the standard of treatment he's getting no, now. No, 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 not yet. There is no set. There is no set program for him at all, even yeah. now. Okay, so, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you a slightly provocative and maybe rather difficult question. But clearly, um, looking after your son and wrestling with the serious mental illness has been very stressful. Yeah. But wrestling with the services has been stressful. So which has been more stressful? Dealing with the, the, the services, which weren't very good a lot of the time, or dealing with the illness that your son had? Which was more stressful? It is equal for me. I, I mean, I can, I can go and now yesterday we were at a big, yesterday or day before we were at a big meeting, and the, and the chief executive asked me, asked, asked us, what, what have we got right, what have we haven't got right? So yeah. we told them these exact same things I was telling you. 
Yeah, the but, patient is sent home without any warning. But these are old stories. They've been going exactly, on for decades. Exactly, exactly. He should he should know that by now. Exactly, that's what it is. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, that's yeah, that's all. Anyway, I mean the evidence is there since yes. since the year dot. Yeah, if you're if you're having to tell him that again at, at this stage, that's ridiculous. And mm. <laughs> anyway, listen, Nick. Um, many thanks indeed for um, talking to us and sharing your experiences. And um, I think that it, it's very important um, what you've had to say. And I hope that it will make a difference in terms of improving services for the future. So thank you very much indeed, Nick. Thank you.